Welcome to the Brock Lurie Podcast. And I am here to see you, Brock Lurie. Yay! Hey, Harry. All right. It's, uh, it's great to see you. Great to spend time with you. And, you know, it's very interesting. We have been talking, you and I, about politics and such, about uh, how many people think on one side of the aisle, let's put it that way, um, how they don't necessarily believe in fully looking at all the facts. And it's very funny how uh, if I were to ask that or pose that to most people, they would say, well, uh, the conservatives think that way. They're the ones who are always about keeping things the way they are and they don't want to open up their eyes to reality of life and uh, they only see things in their God-centered, America-centered, um, pollution-centered, big business-centered. You forgot Christian. A Christian-centered uh, and greed-centered world and that they're not willing to look beyond that and uh, the liberals, by golly, they're, they're liberal. I mean, that, that means that they're open, right? That they, they like change. They like big things to happen. But that's one of the ironies, and we've talked about that, and, and what it takes, not necessarily to be liberal, uh, but what it takes to believe certain things, whatever that might be. And it is very interesting to see how people are willing to believe in just about anything, so long as it sounds nice. Uh, you see that with the global warming enthusiasts. So those people, you, you just can't get through to them. They will accuse you of being uh, the equivalent of a Holocaust denier. They'll accuse you of being uh, or just dampening your brain. If you say to them you don't believe in global warming, they'll look at you uh, as though with a, with a funny face and, and say there must be something off with you. Well, they have to. They're obligated to. If yeah. you don't believe in that, you're going to kill your you have blood of every human being on your hands. That's so true. It's uh, it, it but. It's so facile, the, the, the global warming argument. And I, I once believed in global warming. I thought, well, some people are saying so, so therefore... And this is way before Al Gore came out with his stupid movie, um, which, by the way, I can easily just debunk it within three points. All his three major points I can debunk very quickly. But even before then, I, was, uh, I believed in it, and then I quickly disbelieved it. I quickly realized how inane it was and how shallow it was. Why? Because I read a couple of books. I said... Okay, you know, people seem to be very adamantly against this. I'll read a couple of their crazy ideas. So you made the sin of informing yourself. Yes. I actually thought maybe I should read a book about the subject by the other side. And I read the, the other book. It was called Global Warming and Other Eco-Myths. And uh, so it talked not only about global warming, but other, other things like that. And uh, it was very convincing. And I realized I, I've been on the wrong side of this equation. And it was so easy to, to shoot down. And... And, and the funny thing about global warming is it relies so heavily on this house of cards. Um, so it's not, even, it's not even an either-or situation where either you believe set of facts A or set of facts B, right? It's not like that. It's this whole cacophony of facts that they've built one card upon the other that all it takes is just to take one card away and the whole thing collapses, and it's not a set of facts B that I believe in. It's simply I say I don't believe in the global warming myth. That's it. I just don't believe in it. it I don't, it's not as if I have an alternative universe that I do believe in. With regard to global warming, no, I don't believe in that crap. It just, it's a fallacy. It doesn't work. So that's, that's where I stand on that. But I saw how easy it is to believe in this stuff. And people will be adamantly with it. And you really want to ask people, what have you read? To believe this stuff 
And you know what they always say? A bunch of scientists told me so. Oh, a bunch of scientists. Yeah. yeah. You can yeah. always believe them. Yeah. So, uh, or if it's not scientists, then it's experts. Yeah, but they, they believe these scientists, but the second, like, a, a oil company says, right. uh, we've done the environmental impact report, and our scientists say it's perfectly fine to drill for oil here. Right. They go, oh, you're, those are your scientists. Right, right. Or, or you if, you're, if you are in the, uh, if you're against global warming, or if you're a scientist against global warming, well, then you're in the pocket of the oil industry. Right. Uh, never mind that they can never prove that, and there are plenty of people who have hey, nothing to do with the industry. You could you could say until you're blue in the face that that this scientist who disagrees with uh, with global warming has nothing to do with the oil business, and you can, in fact, he's quite poor and he has he makes no money whatsoever. Um, and and but they won't listen to that. Yeah. It's a, it's a shocking story. So the same thing with uh, uh, many different other things. This gun control business. Um, now it's very fashionable to be against uh, gun control. I'm oh, sorry, for gun control because uh, recent uh, the recent spat of horrible killings in Connecticut. So once again, people trot out this argument that somehow if we just stop uh, all these guns, then therefore we won't have these killings again. I don't know where even to begin with with the fallacy of the argument. Yeah, well, the, one of the great arguments that the wonderful glittering gem of complete moronity Soldat O'Brien of CNN put forward is that if it wasn't for these guns, those children would be alive. But liberal conservatives are so bad at communications, they're not inverting the argument by saying, wait a minute, yeah. Soldat, yeah. what if every teacher and a several of the of-age students were trained, possessed, had guns at their hips ready to go? Right. I think only the gunmen would have been dead. That's right. Or at the very least, uh, far fewer people would have died. Right. Uh, and, and, and you know, it's funny. I present the, the far fewer people, the far fewer casualty mm -hmm. uh, argument to several people. Right. And their response is, well, that doesn't matter. Murder is still murder. What? Yeah. How is 20 kids not, not worse than three kids? Right. No, How is good. three kids not well, worse than one kid? Right. How is one kid not worse than no kid, only the kid? Because they react with, well, the killer would have been dead then. That's right. But we want the killer dead. That's right. <laughs> oh, I see. That's interesting. I, I, was, I was thinking. You know, they, they, they the, bottom line it. He, even the person responsible if he dies, that's a gut casualty. Oh, I see. That's crazy. Oh, yeah. I, I, I thought that their argument was that there would be no murder whatsoever because um, nobody, n neither side, quote unquote, would have uh, guns at all, and therefore there would be no killings of anybody. That's their their well. That's their world. that's their argument against uh, for total gun right. control. But would they undermine the the defensive uh, firearm usage by right. by saying, "Well, someone's going to die sometime, some way, that's right, somewhere." That's very funny. The, look, the the. Uh, the fallacies on the argument, and this is, I want to bring this up, this gun control argument and the global warming argument for a reason. And then, and then I want to explore a, a major topic. First of all, if you were to ask people about nuclear arms, if I were to say to you, wouldn't it be nice to have no nuclear arms? You know, if, if you're not a far lefty loony um, on this issue, you're realistic and you say, yeah, you know, we need, we need nuclear bombs. That's the reality of the day. You can't uninvent the nuclear bomb, and therefore we need to have our own in order to, to do that. So most people, most rational people would not say, let's just let's get rid of all the nuclear bombs and, and everything else. Obama, by contrast, thinks that we should, but that's a different story. Um, but even the most left people that I know understand that that's not going to happen. 
and they just want to make sure that nobody has, you know, we have uh, responsible nuclear handling. Fine. They seem to understand that, but they don't seem to understand when it comes to weapons and guns that you're never going to have the situation, like you're never going to have the situation of a nuclear-free world. It's just not going to happen. In fact, we'll probably have more weapons, more deadly things than what we perceive right now. It'll be worse than the nuclear world. A uh, hundred years from now, will be even more bombs out there that can annihilate things even faster than a nuclear bomb could. Um, maybe even literally split the Earth in two. Lasers, the Death yeah. Star. Yeah, you, exactly. You know, whatever you imagine. You, whatever you imagine, yeah. it's going to be far more. Do you think more. a reason for this, but, but, though, is, is, yeah. is I think we, uh, uh, it's, I'm not to interrupt, uh, yeah. sorry to do that, That's but, right. but what comes to my mind is, I think it was Stalin who said, uh, a million murders is a statistic, right. but only one's a tragedy. Right. There's a, a emotional intimacy liberals perceive when they see a gun death, but when they see a city vaporized. Right. Of course, the bones have been turned into vapor, too, of 8 million people. Right. But, you know, it's that kind of... Yeah. Even September 11th, it's a, a television event. Right. You know? Yeah, it's hard. They didn't see the people uh, jumping off the, the, the building. Yeah, they and the media does you know, a terrible disservice by not showing the impacts of them on the concrete, as it's, horrible as it was, to show people, look what these enemies have just done to our people. But going back to, to, the, to the argument, because I, I want to focus on the assault weapons and the argument that they use with that. But they seem to acknowledge that nuclear weapons need to be out there. They're not, they're, they're not kidding themselves when it comes to nuclear weapons, and I, I respect that. Uh, but, they, they, but turning to, to assault weapons, they th seem to think the only way that their argument can work is if you somehow manage to get rid of every, sing every single assault weapon in, in the world. And knife, and baseball bat, and car. Exactly. Well, Stick, yeah, slingshot. Well, they'll argue, they'll argue, in their defense, they'll argue, well, an assault weapon is designed only for the purpose of killing, as opposed to a bat, which can be used for baseball. Um, so. And killing. <laughs> right, so, but I want to I stick to the subject, Gary. The Sorry. point is, it's not rational thinking when it comes to the assault yeah. weapons, or, or any gun, gun control at all. It's not rational thinking. Uh, they, they seem to be rational in the nuclear. And here's where the, it's very interesting. They say, um, on the one hand, you should completely ban assault weapons. Okay, You're with me on that. If you ban assault weapons, well, then there won't be any assault weapons. This is the naive way of thinking, okay? Yeah. This is a first grader's thinking. But when it comes to drugs, those same people will tell you, you should legalize drugs because um, it's going to be there anyway. Right. right. They, they, say, they, say, they have a very rational approach when it comes to drugs. Right. They see the economic yeah. model That's right. when it comes to psychoactive substances. But the economic model of reality is lost when with firearms. Yeah. When, yeah. It, when it comes to gun control, it's completely... They, they lose and they're their not head. talking about banning assault weapons. You know, they're, they're, the political rhetoric is that's where it is now, not to freak out most of the voting public. Right. But, the, you know, when you listen to real liberals, they're talking about every gun. They say semi-automatic guns, which means it uses a clip and isn't a revolver. Right. But, you know, it's just the way of feeding the bullets into the chamber. It doesn't really make the gun any more or less deadly, right. you know, as they like to say. And, and that's the story. That's, that's the way that they envision themselves. They, they think they're very logical, and yet they're, they're so scattered in their inconsistencies um, that it, it makes you literally dizzy. It makes the conservatives' head spin. Yeah, it which, does. which makes it hard to pin exactly what's going on in liberals' minds because it's so schizophrenic. Right. Now, here's the funny thing. Um, 
we talked a little bit about liberals and conservatives, and I, and I, and I hate to do this because I don't want to alienate anybody on the liberal side of it. I do want to talk about it only because I really should be talking about the issues per se. We talked about nuclear weapons, assault bans, and all that stuff, and, and drugs. Those are three very different areas, right? The nuclear weapons stuff is where both conservatives and liberals kind of understand that that's the way it's going to be. They seem to both be logical in that. The assault, uh, the gun control issue seems to be a liberal cause that doesn't make much sense. And the drugs, they take a completely different approach and doesn't make much sense either for a completely opposite reason. And on the drug issue, sometimes conservatives get overly emotional about it too, unwilling to have an honest discussion about the economic and behavior models that people engage in uh, with either. Uh, agreed, agreed. But we, the reason, we're honest about why we don't want drugs in the first place. I understand the economic model that certain demands are out there. Um, but there's also a demand, for example, for killing people, right? I mean, there's a demand, you, uh, gun, uh, you know, uh, killing by hire. Where, yeah, hitmen. Hitmen, right. Or young. Right. We, but, yeah. you know, you can say there's a natural demand for that. There is a natural demand. It may not be huge, but there's a natural demand for it. Right. A market, you and there's a market. Say, yeah. And there's a market. And, yeah, and, and the argument that I'm posing isn't that just because there's a market we should – uh, rationally discuss every available market. That's right. I mean, with hitmen, right. of course not. We as a society don't like that. Yeah. Uh, and I think we as a society should be very circumspect when it comes to drugs because what is drugs? What what, what does that mean? And I, I don't want to drill down on this because uh, the issue about marijuana well, very versus simply, LSD are, versus uh, yeah. meth and all those people. Do we really want people well, I think driving can, around with meth? I think for the sake of our argument... Uh, we can bottom line it is they are substances that are harmful right. to varying degrees. That's right. And uh, by that measure, we as rational people don't want anyone on them. That's right. Uh, you know, it it, it just uh, screws up with the mind and uh, it, it's devastating to people's lives. Yeah, and the worst thing is uh, people on drugs who have guns, and even worse, dictators on drugs with nuclear weapons. Right. Right. So you know. They're... Yeah, they, they want to control your lives in every respect except when it comes to drugs and sex. Right. Then then they're willing to be very liberal. Then, then they are truly liberal. Yeah. Then, then they really open it up. Oh, and abortion. Yeah. Well, I guess that's part of sex. That's, but... that's, that's, well, that's being very liberal as well. There's no, yeah. There are no consequences to sex. They want all the sex they want. And in, in, in case, God forbid, a woman gets pregnant, well, then by golly, we'll make it super easy for them. Yeah, we don't want to punish her with the life of that child. That's right. As they say. As Obama said. Look, and, and this is... Another irrational argument, and something I'm going to use as a launching pad to, to main, make my main point, the abortion, where they say it's, it's – it, the Democrats claim that they want it to be ra safe, legal, legal and, rare. and rare. Okay? Well, I can tell you one thing. If they make it safe and legal, it ain't going to be rare. It's going to be uh, all over the place. And, and because what they were trying to also do is also make it government-funded, which would make it basically free – and then, of course, you're going to have abortions all over the place. To say nothing of the fact because that they take away all the stigma associated right. with it. Because whenever you make anything consequence-free, guess what? You get more of that more thing. Of exactly right. If you, yeah, you know what's a perfect example? Is a stealing of uh, music from the Internet. It happened to be more rampant in the old days. Um, and we'll talk why it no longer is as rampant as it used to be. But in the old days, it used to be rampant because there was no alternative. But people were stealing it right and left. Not me, by the way. I've never stolen a song. But so many people were doing it. Nobody was getting caught. And it, it ended up being like, well, everyone's doing it. It's for free. There are no consequences to doing it. So 
They kept on doing it. Until spammers started making consequences by putting spyware and viruses right. you know, in dubious sources. Right. And and uh, and that incentivized people to pay a low cost in one place. It was a perfect market, for perfect opportunity. So I want to talk about how people don't think outside the box. They don't think in terms of wild notions. Um, you ever hear about these story, these meetings of business people? They say, "I want every idea. No idea is a bad idea, right?" Yeah. And that's good when people do that. It's really good. As long as they actually go through with that. Right, because sometimes very rarely say, do they actually want it. Yeah, you know. sometimes they'll just shoot it down. No, that's a stupid idea. Now move over. But you just said any idea is good. Yeah, there's a famous scene from South Park where the teacher is teaching the kids. He says, okay, everyone, two plus two equals, what is it? Just call out. No, There is no wrong answer. <laughs> One of the characters goes and raises the hand and says, five? And then the teacher goes, how about an answer for someone who's not a complete idiot? <laughs> <laughs> Exactly right. And unfortunately, a lot of those business forums, that's... The, well, that's, that's right. And that's, yeah. that's one of the issues. They, look, you have to think about these things. Now, for example, you and I, before we even started this, we talked about the tax code and such. We, always, we will only think in terms, we're lockstep in this notion that everything should be progressive, meaning uh, it, should, it should gradually go up the more with your income. And you and I talked about how, <clears throat> well, what if, what if we rewarded people for by by not making them pay taxes above a certain amount, and because so, so, so you, if, if right. you make let me just clarify for that yeah. for the, for our listeners, in other words, if you make more than a million dollars, you get to pay no taxes at all. Right, right. and under the idea that there will always be fewer people making high amounts of money, that's right, and more people making lesser amounts of money. Right. Even if the, those few rich people didn't pay anything, it wouldn't hurt the treasury any. That's right. So in other words, we make it not regressive necessarily, but there's a big reward at the end of the day. You can even yeah. make it progressive all the way if you wanted to. But then when it comes to uh, making a million dollars, it would be the effective uh, – it would be the, the tax equivalent of breaking the sound barrier. Yes. You know, all of a sudden, uh, it's smooth sailing. You're, yeah. you're done. And it gives you this uh, O-ring at the end or whatever, the ring of the, as a prize at the end to work really hard to make the brass ring. Number, the brass ring, that's right. what it is. To, to suddenly, and don't you think that everyone would be striving for that? Oh, yeah. People would be kicking each other's right. butts right. to get there. Right. And uh, now what we do, so, and, and not only that, but also to make it, maybe not, a, maybe not a regressive tax, but make it a flat tax and just say anything up to a million dollars, you pay 20 bucks, uh, 20% rather. 20% period, doesn't matter how much, and no deductions, no nothing. Is that crazy? If you ask people today about that, they'll say that's crazy. But they don't mean that. They don't really mean it. They just mean what they really mean is I've never thought about that. And what they mean is that challenges my expectation. It's kind of like being in a uh, pool of water that's one temperature and then being asked to step into water that's either hot or yeah. colder. Not dangerously hot or cold, but just different. It's different. And they're so used to thinking like a machine in, in rote kind of terms, that it's, it's stunning to them, you know? Right. Well, they have magic words like, that's not progressive, which is a, a big vocabulary. Or an even one. bigger word, okay. fair. Is that fair? Yeah. After, by the way, we've agreed as adults, life isn't fair. That's right. I mean, Whatever fair yeah, means. Yeah, what does that yeah, mean? And, and, Ren fair, yeah. you know? And, and, the, it, you, and I confronted a very good liberal friend of mine about this, and I said, okay, you think that everyone making above a certain amount should be paying this X percent? I said, and he said, yes. And I said, well, <clears throat> do you agree with me that you can make $250,000 in many different ways? And he goes, well, what do you mean? 
So you can inherit it, or you can work for it, <clears throat> or you can finally get up to that point where suddenly, after many years, you've uh, uh, you've you've just lost and lost money, and then you're at the eleventh year, boom, you made two hundred fifty-one thousand dollars, and now you're going to be taxed massively for it. Do you think that's fair? What about that? And do you, and and this is it's a code that <clears throat> punishes hard work and punishes risk taking. So don't you think that you should be balancing for that as well? How do you balance for that? I mean, you can't balance for it, right? So the only th only the, the only uh, factor that they have to play with is the number. In this case, two hundred fifty thousand dollars versus three hundred thousand dollars versus two hundred thousand dollars, and that's where the the percentages get applied. But you take Joe Blow. Uh, who's making $50,000 and he says to himself, you know what, I don't feel like working. Or I, I, I don't want to work a lot. That's okay. He's entitled to that. He wants to work between 10 a.m. in the morning and leave 4 o'clock, punch out at 4 o'clock in the afternoon and have a nice long lunch break. And he makes the equivalent of $50,000 a year. And uh, the other guy uh, was working hard in his dry cleaning uh, operation and he works, uh, you know, 6 o'clock in the morning to, uh, you know, 9 p.m. So 6, 6 a.m. to 9 p.m. is a lot different of a day than 10 to 4 p.m. Or 10 to 10.45. Yeah, with no, with, yeah, exactly. <laughs> right. With, with no lunch breaks or whatever, or you eat on the go and you're highly stressed and everything else. You are taking risks and everything else, and they want to tax you on that. Because they don't think about the risks that, that uh, an entrepreneur takes or somebody that just works really gosh darn hard uh, or the... Um, the stress that they take. And Can I make a quick point about uh, regarding yeah, this? Course. Because this is totally ignored. How many rich people don't work at all and don't have any income because they're rich? They have money. That's right. Why do we only think in terms of taxing someone's income? Because what if you aren't rich, right? Mm-hmm. And you start making a lot of money because you want to be rich and you're kicking butt, taking names and working hard. Right. Why are we taxing that guy? Right, right. Because very, he's not rich yet. Oh, so right. many rich are idle rich who have tons of money and they spend it, which is great. Right. These right. other people get it. But they don't care about income. They're rich. That's very funny. Let's um, – I want to just talk about how – and your point is exactly the, the right point because – Nobody's thinking about these different dynamics. They're thinking only in terms of numbers and, as you say, fairness, and they're locked into these phrases. And yeah, the emotion it, of the number. The emotion of the number, the emotion of whatever the, the talking point is, and they think that they're brilliant in the process. That's the amazing thing about it. Right. It, it, it's it's a, a symptom in society now. People, I think they're brilliant because they, the, they repeat the same BS they heard 20 other right. idiots say. Wolf Blitzer said it. Must, I'll say the same thing. Oh, soul dad said it. Must be the, That's right. <laughs> you know. I, I've heard, like, like a friend of mine once said that there was not one shred of evidence that there has any, ever been any voter fraud uh, that, that made any difference. And uh, I said, you got to be kidding. You just got you, you, you seriously think this is an argument as to why there shouldn't be IDs, that the burden is greater than to have the, than to not have it. And I said, okay, first of all, there's not one shred of evidence that there's been any burden by producing an ID. So right. that's one thing. Well, the person is essentially saying, I think minority people are too stupid to get a driver's license. They may be saying that's, that. They, that they, that's that's, that's right. what they're essentially saying when they say, uh, uh, minorities can't be burdened to get a driver's license. That's right. What, are they too stupid? That's right. <laughs> well, they, they, Now, here's where I want to take this. Because when I, when I used not to believe in God, I used to think I had all the answers. And it seems so it's so simple to me. Now I realize how simplistic it is to not believe in God. Very simplistic. And in fact, I was, I was uh, capping my ability to think when I didn't believe in God. 
Because, I mean, here's the rationale, right? I don't see it. I don't feel it. I don't sense it. I don't smell what, it. What, an invisible man in the sky? That's right. Well, I mean, yeah. the, you could also mock it. But but the point is, I because I couldn't hear, touch, see, yeah, smell. Yeah, perceive it. I couldn't perceive it. Therefore, yeah. he didn't exist. And it seems like such a such a very simple, straightforward thing to do. And I thought I was so brilliant. Brilliant. And all these morons who call themselves Jews and Christians and Hindus and Muslims or whatever they might be, they, well, they, they were just silly. They, they, they acted totally out of fear of God and a fear of this, this notion. And uh, they were just silly people who uh, uh, believed in, you know, nothing a little bit more sophisticated than, than believing in many gods. That's the way I felt. Now that I do believe in God, now that I've come full circle on this, I realize how expansive believing in God is and how many different ways you can perceive God and, and why things are the way they are. And uh, it's a very delightful experience in my life, and I don't want to get religious about it. But I, the, what I'm saying is it's a completely expansive way. And in many ways, the liberal mindset is such that they think like I used to think as an atheist. Well, do you, do you think that your belief in an invisible abstract God mm-hmm. helps you think abstractly, i.e. out of the box? Absolutely. Absolutely. I think, I think exactly the opposite of what I used to believe, which is I thought that I was the one with the, the great expense of mind for not believing, not being uh, burdened with the, the silly notion of God and, and, uh, and that everyone else might as well might have well believe in the flat earth. What were your moral values at the time? Did you feel like there was a moral accountability for being evil? Or were you not evil because it just wasn't a good thing to do? It wasn't nice? But you had no idea that there would be retribution if you weren't it was good? A, it was a rational argument. I would always say, well, the reason why we are, you know, we should all, um, we should all just be good to each other because that's the rational thing to do. But, I, but even I understood that, uh, like Voltaire did, he said, uh, if there were no God, it would be necessary to invent him. So uh, in, in part of my intellectual self, I felt, well, gosh, I'm, I don't believe in God, but by God, I'm sure glad that everyone else does believe in God. Do you think liberals who believe in at least some sort of karma uh, accountability within karma are at least on the path towards believing in God in, in a better oh. way than liberals who don't? I see because at saying. least there's an accountability for one's I, I think so, but I, I want to get off this topic for a second. But at the, to answer your question, I think they are on the road to that. If they if they even believe in spirituality and have a concept of a supernatural being, that's that's good. That, that they're in a better position than the pure a- atheist is. The atheist is really in, in danger. Um, he because he's in danger because he precisely because he thinks he's smarter than everyone else, and in fact he doesn't know what he's doing. He's like a kid who thinks he can drive a car. Very dangerous. Uh, and you will kill people if you try to drive that car, right? So I hope that that uh, explains things. But once once you accept the notion of God, for example, uh, or sorry, once you start asking yourself questions, as I did, and Dostoevsky let me think these questions, <clears throat> he said, well, what about free will? Do you believe in it? If you do, where does it come from? That was a triggering point. And then I came to my conclusions, and I thought, <clears throat> there's so many strange things in life that I, I never really think about, like music, for example. Where does that come from? Right? I mean, it's, if, if everything Well, the is, great God will co, obviously. Yes, exactly. Right. <laughs> right. Good point. Uh, but if, if you... Um, if everything is derived from evolution, right? If everything is uh, determined, deterministic, right? Just like, you know, your, your vision is such because it was evolved to stereoscopic vision and 
And we're all adjusted according to uh, what, what uh, nature requires of us. Not God, but nature. Well, then what about this music business? Why, why are there 12 perfect notes that just well, happen to be there? Yeah, why, why, and why did we discover them? How did we discover them? Right? I mean, Out of how, all that noise, how, right. how did we find this order? Yeah. And, and, and if it's so necessary for our survival, I, mean, I don't see how, but why, do, why don't other animals enjoy music? Or, or why can't they create music for that matter? They can't. They don't, and I don't think they appreciate music the way we do. Uh, so free will, music. What about beauty? Beauty. There's no understanding. We, we have an appreciation for beauty. Not, not in terms of like attractiveness of the opposite sex, which is a different story. But I'm talking about a nice, beautiful sunset. <clears throat> or a painting from, from Chagall, or whoever it might be, that resonates to you. Um, there, there are too many of these things. What about humor? Okay, but animals don't have a sense of humor. They don't. They don't laugh when they fall over a, a, a wall or something. You don't see another cat, you know, rolling on its belly, saying, "That's that's hysterical stuff." There are no three stooges among the the canine family, for example. Um, <clears throat> so you get you ask yourself. Well, I I disagree. Wow. When my cat left a dead bird on my pillow, it was laughing. Oh really? You know, <laughs> okay. me, you know. So yeah. there are little flashes of it. Yeah. You know, when when a bird, you can tell. Poops on your head, right? right. You know, you, we've all seen it, right? Well, he might be being mischievous and mean, but that's not necessarily humor. Oh, I'm sure he thinks it's funny too. You well, know. Anyway, we digress, don't we? <laughs> right. The point is that there's there's too many things. And what about love? Love is also out there, and, and it's completely irrational. How many people make decisions counter to their own survival? That's right. It's completely irrational. It's, it's too, it's I'm going to go back in and save her. That's exactly right. You know. That that is irrational. And it's not gonna it's not gonna work. Um, love love makes no sense. What does make sense is the um, evolutionary impulse to have sex. That makes sense. If that if you only believe in evolution, then then there's this impulse to have sex. Yeah, from both sides of the. Well, and and even more specifically, <clears throat> the impulse to have sex once with some woman. Right. You know, and then move on. Yeah, you know, like exactly a right. bee pollinating flowers. That's exactly what it is. So you would think that would be the necessary. Anyway, so love makes no sense. And you don't have love in the animal kingdom. Uh, when polar bears uh, mate, well, thank you very much. Uh, wham, bam, thank you, ma'am, as it were. And uh, you, you don't see uh, very often, at least, in um, planet Earth or any of those nature uh, documentaries, you don't see, and here's the father polar bear taking care of you mean you don't see two pups. polar bears like the Levitra commercial sitting in bathtubs holding hands looking at the sunset after the coitus is performed? So it, it basically asks, it begs the question, why? Also, why, why do we need to learn so much? Why do humans need to learn? Right? We, we, I mean, no animal learns. Right? If you were to ask a puma on top of a branch of this tree in South America, you know, you know what he's thinking? He doesn't think, that, he doesn't think the following. Well, here I sit in a branch, just like my pappy did. <laughs> right. And my... His pappy. It only thinks. Him. It only thinks. Where's the food? Says, where's, where's the, the food? food? Yeah. Where's the food? Where's right. the food? Where's the food? <laughs> and it, yeah. And, and Max, my son, will say correctly. Animals. Most animals think of only two things. Where's where can I where can I eat and how can I not be eaten myself? That's right. it. That's it. Nothing more and nothing less. Yeah, it's like the shark logic from the movie Jaws. What does a shark do? It eats. It poops. <laughs> and it tries to make. Other little sharks. That's all. It That's does. all it does. It's a machine, and we are different. We are different for a reason, and uh, nobody can seem to explain that. Now, I, I ask all these questions because I 
I love asking questions. Well, like, you you can explain it, but the only way you can get even inaccurate explanations is to start with the premise: there is a creator who created us right. for a reason. That's right. Understand? And you, and you don't have to call it God. You don't have to say it's the Judeo-Christian God because they, they always try to conflate that. Do you believe exactly in the Bible? And I say, get get past that. Start first of all. You, just accept the let's let's take baby steps. Yeah, let's let's just stipulate there is a creator with intelligence. Right. And you don't have to call it God, you don't have to call it Jehovah, you don't have to call it Allah. Yeah, you don't have to label it any of these things you yeah. have an emotional attachment to. Yeah, just, just, it just is what it is. Somebody's in charge. Right. And what his intention you don't know, I don't know either. But you know, so start from that premise. And then things start flowing. And then you start understanding that that nothing makes sense without that creator business. So I like asking questions. First of all, why are things the way they are? And how about just asking questions about how to change things dramatically? For example, uh, last night as I was speaking to my wife, I said two things that will dramatically change lives, uh, and the economy for that matter, and we'll, everything would change in a wonderful way. What's that, she says. <clears throat> I said, charge people for using the roads and the freeways during rush hour. But then we couldn't call it a freeway. Well, then you wouldn't be able to call it a freeway. Right. <laughs> See, that's where that's people right. make the roadblock. If that's, if that's it wouldn't be a freeway then. That's right. <laughs> it, it, to them, it's just so common sense that it, that it, they, yeah. it never dawns on them. I mean, there is a total rule, so it should. Well, there those are called expressways and parkways, but we call. See, right. see how I, people I, I, get hung up on the stupid. They, they get as a reason not to change for the better. <laughs> they, they truly do get caught up in that, and it's very frustrating. And you you try to just say, forget about names. You want to get to from point A to point B in an efficient way. Charge for it. Charge them. You just need to charge them. And if you do that, if you go from point A to point B, and you say during during rush hour only, and you can try that first, just charge a dollar, a dollar. Uh, you know what? I even say fifty cents. Fifty cents from let's say here in uh, West Los Angeles to downtown, it's going to cost you fifty cents during rush hour. Define rush hour as you like, maybe seven to nine or seven thirty to nine. Or forget. See, that, that's what's interesting. The what you just did, you fell into the emotional trap of numbers. Why not charge when the we live in a modern world? Right. There are sensors now on the road and cameras. Charge when it's busy. Who cares what time it is? Well, but, I, I, I agree. You, you know, because when it's busy, it's rush hour, regardless I, I of what the hour is. Understood. But I don't. I want to get past that for a second because oh. right now it just, we get off with baby steps, right? Okay. Just tell the population <clears throat> during rush hour. Because what I want to do, because and what I was about to get to, if, even if you charge them fifty cents, you're going to have people move <clears throat> their travel plans from that rush hour, whatever that is, to when it's or, not that rush hour. It's not that rush hour, right? And you'll you won't have that problem. Um, and you'll suddenly discover, oh, a lot of people are on the road who want to get from point A to point B that are not really they don't need to be there at seven thirty or eight thirty. They can go, they, they'll gladly wait till 1130. About a third of the traffic that you see, maybe even more, <clears throat> that are actually going from, from West Los Angeles to downtown, they don't need to go that time. A lot of, the, a lot of those people are just people going to visit their Aunt Tilly or uh, to visit their ex-wife or whatever it is. I knew you hated Aunt Tilly. She, she just bothers me. Bad crocheter. <laughs> so, so that's what you're going to do. And that will be a dramatic change. And by the way, you'd be charging people for the actual use of the road. And you have some tax revenue there. Great. Okay, that's a major game shift. And when you tell people this, you know, aside from the freeway comment that they say, they they say, but it, it should be free. The road should be. That's what our taxes pay. 
Yeah, but they're, you're already paying for it, you idiots. Well, uh, you're right. First of all, you are paying for it already. But why not have a surcharge for the people who are actually using it more often and who decide to use right, it? Right, but I'm just saying for people who think it's free, yeah. remind them, you're already paying for it. Exactly. It might as well, like I was having this discussion a few days ago about some guy about uh, Obamacare and how he wanted Obamacare. And right. I said, well, you know, you're paying for it. You're going to pay for it whether you think you're paying for it or not. The question is, when you need the service, is it available? That, I think, is the question. Or Right. The analogy for the freeway analogy. You're already paying for it. Who cares if you pay a dollar or a dime and more not, at this time? Right. What you want is availability when you demand it. Right. And the reality is, because of the traffic situation and the potholes and everything else, it's not available. Right. I mean, as a practical matter, if you if you have very big decisions it, yeah. not to travel because the, the road is just too crazy. Now, <clears throat> they'll, they'll respond to you to say, well, that it should be free, it should be free, that sort of thing. And the, the rebuttal is so easy, and I wish I wish they didn't. I wish they just thought for two seconds before they said that, because a rational person would say, "Well, there are things we do charge. We charge for parking for crying out loud, right? You have to pay, pay the meter. Well, and it, make that simpler now with credit cards. That's yeah. great. So we do charge for parking. Why not make the exact same argument that the road that the parking should be free? But well, you, you don't make that argument, yeah. and, then, and then you see their light bulb. I think there's an even simpler uh, point A to point B rebuttal on that one, which yeah. is, yeah, everything should be free, but guess what? Nothing is. That's right. Nothing. Yeah, you know, anything that's a good or a service okay. in which people had to work to get you to, so you could have right. is not your right to have for free. Nothing. It's like you say before. Um, it's like you said before about uh, if you give something – Make something available for free. You're going to get more of it, right? Right. Okay, so the roads are free. You're getting too much of it. So you're getting more traffic. Yeah, because... more traffic as a result of it. Yeah. The, the, car, the car output is much greater than what uh, the, the freeways will allow. So what, what is the answer? The, the, the typical answer is we've got to have more freeways. More freeways. Right. Well, the, then, then you might have some relief for a couple of years. And then it's going to be... Bam, it's like right taxing the rich. It pays for the government for eight days. Right. We need another line. Okay, well, that'll work for about seven minutes right. a it year. Has, it'll work for a couple of years. And then what will happen is people say, well, <clears throat> now that the, the freeways are more open, let's, let's, let's build up a community around it. Yeah. So then it, it, you just get back to exactly the same situation. So you need to charge for it. That's a major thing. And, and it's worth talking to anybody. I'm not saying liberal or otherwise. Just to anybody about it and see what the reaction to it There'll be there'll be a very visceral reaction, but it reflects that they haven't been thinking about it. Yeah. Well, there's so Likewise. many uh, people don't want to think. They, you know, uh, there's so many people have a natural inclination that thinking equals working. They right. don't enjoy thinking. No, they they, they want to enjoy the autopilot aspects of their life. Oh, well, it's we've done this for all these years. We better just keep doing it. That's right. And then nothing changed. And these are the people who call themselves progressives. Right. As if things should progress and change. Oh, yeah. The last thing they right. want to do is actually progress. No. <laughs> they, they, want, they, they only want to progressively take more money out of you. That's, about, that's what they mean. By right. So you said before, and I think you're right, Ari, that when it comes to um, uh, people are not getting what they think they're getting, that it's not available to them all of a sudden. Right. right? So they paid all these taxes. The road's not available to them. Guess what else? And this is, launches it to the next thing I was going to say. <clears throat> to, that I did say to my wife, um, you pay, we pay, and I, I pay up the wazoo property taxes for public education. Right. Okay. That education is not available to me. That's right. As a practical matter, I can't send my kids to public school. 
because it'll be a lousy education and it's overcrowded and the teachers suck. I hate to tell you this, but you just opened up the can of worms on the subject I am most angry, passionate, uh, psychotic about. You should be because it's because free. It's, it, yeah. It's free and, and... It's free as so, long as you send your kids to the death trap schools that's going to imprison their mind permanently mm -hmm. in leftist thinking which will turn them into unproductive members of society who will just destroy the neighborhood you've just brought them up in. Well, the leftist right? thinking is, is another issue, but <clears throat> it's, it's a unionized thinking where you have these, these teachers who don't care uh, or, you know, God bless them, some of them do care. I, you know, they can't be all of them, but there is no incentive for incentives. Right. right there. And, and by the way, from no that. one ever talks about greed when it comes to teachers and teachers' unions. They're stealing from children. Yeah. From children. Right. But they're not greedy. But the rich person who works really hard and pays a ton of taxes, that guy's greedy because paying 60% isn't enough you know, for you? Te teachers are a very lovable area of society. Um, and I, I remember once at a dinner. Oh, I don't know about that. Not the no, ones who are, molest yeah. children. Uh, okay, right. Which as, is a, as a profession, I'm talking about. As a profession, yeah. I'm not talking about every teacher. There's always there's also a fireman who was uh, <clears throat> who was caught, you know, committing arson. Doesn't necessarily mean that that uh, everyone hates firemen. So, what I'm saying is that there, it's just a bad bet with these these public schools. Um, it's it's inundated with uh, a lot of money, and at the same time, it's horrible. You would never send them. Well, there's no incentive to, no incentive. to have greatness. There's no thinking. I mean, why? You know, you hear the argument over and over again. Well, the classroom is too crowded. So what? Right. It, with the technology we have today, it doesn't matter if it's crowded. Right. You can rec video record one great teacher right. and broadcast that great teacher's curriculum to every class in the, in the country. And it doesn't matter how many students they, they're teaching. Go ahead. You're absolutely right, Ari. It doesn't matter how much they're teaching. That they don't, they don't care one way or the other. It's, uh, nothing's ever going to fix the situation. And <clears throat> um, as long as they keep on thinking that the money's the problem, money's the problem, money's the problem, they never ask themselves, could it be something else? Because you you, you know, if, if money is the problem, then the rational mind would say, well, let's look at other places where they are spending more money and see if that that has fixed it. Well, it turns out <clears throat> we are uh, we are the one country that spends more money than any other country, except for I think Liechtenstein or something like that. And we we have one of the worst systems. So clearly, it's not just a question of money; it's how that money is being spent and uh, and how the teachers are actually teaching. So, I, and what I told my wife is on uh, when it comes to schools. How about this for an idea? Completely get rid of the public school system. Just Get rid of it. And now anyone hearing this is saying, wow, that's radical, radical, radical. I guess it is radical. It's just that the, if it's radical to get rid of something that just doesn't make any sense, then yeah, then I guess it's radical. <clears throat> but there are a lot of things. If you created a, 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 a United States Department of Puppetry or for the study of Muppets, right, and you had it for 100 years, and then one day you say, you know, we, we really ought to get rid of this Department of Muppets, um, you'd, you'd be getting rid of a, an, institution. an institution, right? But it doesn't yeah. make sense to be there. And likewise, the public school system, it, it doesn't make any sense at all. It used to be designed, by the way, only for teaching and instilling American values, but that's gone by the wayside as well. <clears throat> but as it is today, it's a useless institution. What, happened, what would happen if we said, get rid of all the public schools? I'll tell you exactly what would happen, because it's, it's too obvious what would happen. There'd be a whole bunch of schools that would prop up, crop up, and offer education for thousand dollars a student, maybe even 
$500 a student per year would be minimal tuition, maybe even less. In fact, I'm sure there would be some that would do it for $100, and they would find ways with the internet and everything else to teach children. A combination of maybe homeschooling or whatever it is. It would be a whole different universe. And guess what? <clears throat> the private schools that are, that are now charging in elementary schools something like $25,000, $30,000 a year, those tuitions would go down. Because of something I think called competition, yes, I and excellence. It's yeah, and it's a very and and as Milton Friedman once <clears throat> said, the incentivization not to lose money. Yes, something about that. Because loss is an even bigger motivator when it comes to money than gain. That's right. That's exactly right. So we uh, we are having uh, very big issues when it comes to tuition. <laughs> not, I'm not, not my family necessarily. I'm, I'm simply say the country. No, all, all people because all people. they're they're because again, it's it's an issue of the available freeway and the available healthcare. They're paying all this money, and the product is crap. And even worse, because the the public option is crap, it makes the private options more expensive and worse. That's right. All this talent, all this innovation that could only happen the, if, if there was a monopoly of private sector education right. solutions for children are suffering because of the existence mm -hmm. of the public education exactly option. Right. Which, by the way, dear listeners, is exactly what's going to happen to your health care very soon. That's right. What's You're it? welcome. Yeah, that's right. It, the, what you see in the public school system is exactly what's going to happen in the public health world. By the way, <clears throat> there are many parents in my the school that we, we send our kids to private school. Many parents there would um, barely be able to, um, they're really scraping by. They would gladly, gladly go to a school that would only charge them $5,000. They would uh, so, gladly use the private school they're already paying for if right. it wasn't dangerous and incompetent. Right, right. <laughs> right? So there, there are some, there's some, a lot of parents are sending their kids to public school, but they would gladly send them to a school that that where the tuition was only, and I put only in quotes, five thousand dollars right here. But they just but they can't, can't even, afford they can't the even thirty thousand. So there's no middle market. Yeah, and <clears throat> there's a reason for that. We've created a, a de facto monopoly, and it's a very terrible thing. And our kids are suffering. And putting aside the leftism that's being taught as well, just put that aside altogether. Well, um, well, forget the kids. We're suffering. I saw the most amazing thing, which is so many people think bad neighborhoods lead to bad schools. This is a scary thing. It's the opposite. Yeah. A bad school in a perfectly good neighborhood will destroy the neighborhood over time. That's right. Because you will turn out people who will never leave the neighborhood who are now incompetent at ever earning an honest living. That's right. And they will blight and, and annihilate. Uh, uh, it's like you might as well carpet bomb the neighborhood. That's such a great point. It's really good. And, and conversely, because it's, it's easier to do damage to a neighborhood than it is to do good to a neighborhood. Yeah. But conversely, <laughs> if you saw the movie Saving... Um, no, um, waiting for Superman. Waiting for Superman, yeah. which is a great movie. Uh, they showed that uh, they they put a, a magnet, a choice school, in the, the far reaches of Harlem, not known for being a very good neighborhood, and it thrived, absolutely thrived, because of choice. And and not only that, did it thrive, but people were were going into the lottery to get their kid into that school. And people were drawn to productive, professional, upscale people were then drawn to the neighborhood, and it made the neighborhood upscale. That's right. Yeah, people don't get that, and they don't want to get that. Well, 
you know what? They should get that, and, and they just they, they better get to. that. They're they're sealing their own doom. Uh, you know, again, it's that Ronald Reagan quote that I love. You know, we're a people who have the most to lose, who are doing the least possible to protect it. Right. It's just sickening. Right. Listen, my friend. Um, I will call this an end. It's been a pleasure talking to you today. This is a very passionate top, topic of all of, for both of us. And uh, until next time, this has been the Lurie Podcast. It's called the Brock Lurie oh, Podcast. Yeah. Just I don't even know how to pronounce the name yeah. of it. <laughs> <laughs>